Okay, so our first story is going to be the story of James L. Dillon. James L. Dillon is a man who punched a guy because it said that he pulled a voodoo curse on him. Now, James L. Dillon attended a gas station on Sherry Drive of Tallahassee, Florida. I don't know where Sherry Drive is at. In, Sherry Road is at in Tallahassee, Florida. I'm pretty sure I've probably been on there, but I'm not sure. But he attended Sherry Road, a gas station there. And the gas station attendant, I'm going to guess a guy that was just like, I'm just done for today. I'm ready to go home and go relax. And then James L. Dillon comes in there just drunk off his butt and just like, he's just like, come on, can I just get a break here? And he goes up there, he goes up to James L. Dillon and tells him, hey man, just give me a break. Can you please leave? And somehow out of all that exchange, he got that the guy was putting a voodoo curse on him. He punches the guy in the gut and runs out the store. James L. Dillon is 62 years old. Now, the guy calls the police and reports on James L. Dillon and says that he wants to press charges for aggravated assault, even though he did not get hurt. Which, come on, dude. If you didn't get hurt, the guy's 62 years old. Don't press charges on him. Call the police. Yeah, you need to call the police because he just did assault you. But come on, pressing charges on him? I mean, come on. The guy's 62 years old. He's not going to harm you. But he pressed charges on them. They found James L. Dillon outside the store. Outside of the store. James L. Dillon did not run away, did not go anywhere. He stayed outside the store. <laughs> when the police went up there and said, hey, come here, come here. <laughs> James L. Dillon's not like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to go and leave. He's like, oh, what up, what up, my man? <laughs> He's like, what's up, what's up, what, 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 what's going on, man? What's going on? The guy goes, oh, we heard you pushed the guy outside the store. Yeah, and Jason did it goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember hitting him. Oh, oh, why you did that, James? Why you did that? Why you did that, Mr. Dillon? Why you did that? I'm pretty sure the cop did. He went like that. Oh, why you did that, Mr. Dillon? What, what, what's the matter? Why you doing that? The guy goes, uh, because he was trying to put voodoo on me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess that's the reason to punch somebody, right? If they try to put a voodoo curse on you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta knock them out, right? You can't let them, you can't let them finish the curse for sure. I mean, what if he was midway with it? What if he felt like he was midway within the curse? You know, you can't let him finish it. You let him finish the curse, then it's all, then the curse is on at that point. So you gotta knock him out before the curse is finished. <laughs> so that's good. I mean, hit him in the gut. He can't say anything then. <laughs> I mean. I mean, I think I would say James L. Dillon at that time is the smartest man. And who knows? Maybe that guy was doing a voodoo curse on him. Uh, maybe James L. Dillon knows about voodoo curses and maybe he knows a line that he was saying, you know. Maybe it's going, if you don't get out the store, then you will be. And, you know, and maybe it's going something like that. And maybe that's a line that makes a voodoo curse. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about, I don't know anything about voodoo. <laughs> So Mr. James L. Dillon, he gets done, they, they arrest him, and they sentence him to 10 days in jail for his crimes. So, 
Mr. James L. Dillon spent 10 days in jail in a Tallahassee jail cell because he punched a guy to cut for him. He said that he was doing voodoo on him. So I'm going to state that Mr. James L. Dillon probably is not going to learn his lesson. I'm pretty sure he's back to drinking and having a fun time inside of <laughs> inside of Tallahassee. I'm pretty sure of that fact. And, uh, uh, maybe yes, maybe yes. Who knows? Who knows? I I definitely do not want to meet James L. <laughs> I would say I want to meet them and usually have a fun time, but I don't think I want to meet James L. Dillon. So that's uh, the story of James L. Dillon right there. So that's one of our stories down, and now we got another story about to come up. But before I talk about this story, which is going to be a very deep story right here, um, I'm going to take a little break for a little while and get everything set up. Okay, so with all this said, I think we now have to go into our second story and we got to leave from James L. Dillon to James Earl Ray. If you don't know who James Earl Ray is, he is the guy that assassinated Martin Luther King Jr. over 50 years ago today. So... Yeah, with everybody celebrating the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Obviously, we can go on a whole entire month-long podcast about Martin Luther King Jr.'s achievements. But I think we need to talk a little bit about the guy that 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 pulled the trigger and decided to kill the man that was one of the greatest inspirations in American history. So, Mr. James Elway, we go from a voodoo child to a problem child. America's number one problem child. Um, James Elway, to this day, I like the one reason why I do want to talk about James Elway because in some people's minds, Martin Luther King Jr.'s family's minds for sure, he might not be the killer. He is that people people are starting to think more and more that he might have just been a Ponzi in a scheme. James Elway, um, born in Alto, Illinois, to a family that pretty much, uh, pretty much a shit show family. He was born to a shit show family. His dad wound up writing bad bad checks, and it was funny because me and me and one of my friends was talking about this earlier earlier in the week. It was one day. Uh, how does how much does it suck that we can't write that we miss the age of where you can write bad checks? But you know you can go to the grocery store and write like a two hundred dollar check. Go to Walmart and write like a two hundred dollar check and just bend and buy all this food for like for like three or four months inside of Walmart. And you know you just write a bad check. It's like when when they come when they find out the check's bad, then maybe I had the money to pay for all of it. You know <laughs> something like that. You know. Uh, yeah, it sucks that you know that to this day you can't write you can't write bad checks. What are you gonna do? Drink a bank card inside of Walmart and it doesn't work out? You know you're like, oh well, they won't bank won't that won't process for another like two three days. Right, maybe I have the money in the bank by that time. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to have bank, you have to have money in your bank bank on your bank account for a bank card to work. So um, you know it sucks that we missed a bad check. Uh, the bad check days, but his dad wrote a bad check, 
And it wound up being, I guess, one one of those times where that bad check was going to turn back to bite him. So he moved him and his family to a small town in Missouri and changed their name so they could not be found by the by the, uh, by the authorities. Which, I guess, if Mister James Earl Ray had this upbringing, that told, it makes it makes it why he was so good at being elusive. Because you're going to see in this story that he was a very elusive guy. He was pretty much a, uh, a fugitive for most of his life and was a fugitive during the time that he killed Martin Luther King. So, you know, it, it's very interesting to see that he, he, at this early age, that maybe he might have learned how to escape the authorities. Um, but he wound, up, he wound up moving to Missouri, and this is when some of his criminal activity was started up. He was start he was start by robbing burgering houses. Got caught burgering houses in nineteen eighty nineteen forty nine. Got caught burglarizing a house house that was his first um conviction. Then he got caught robbing uh robbing committing armed robbery of a ta- taxi driver. That was his second conviction. And then uh he wound up getting caught I think B uh he did he oh he wound up arm robbering at Kroger's and only stealing a hundred and twenty dollars. He <laughs> which tells you how bad of a decision this was. He wound up committing armed robbery over Kroger's, stealing a hundred and twenty dollars. And he got sentenced to twenty years in jail. And he wound up breaking out of prison via stuffing himself in the back of a bakery truck or a bread truck. When they went to the prison bakery. See, he winds up stuffing himself in the back of this bread truck when they went to the prison bakery. And he gets out of the bread truck. And now he's pretty much on the loose. And he's pretty much just out and about wandering around America now. He said that he went to freaking Los Angeles and hung out in Los Angeles for a long time. Then he went down to Mexico and hung out in Mexico. And he wound up trying to be a pornographic film director which god don't you wish that that, that would have panned out for him now this this is one of the only times that you're like don't you wish that pornography would have panned out for this guy <laughs> like god if if there's any time where you're like i wish pornography would have panned out for a guy this is the time that you wish that pornography would have panned out for a guy so James Irway, he tried to be a pornographic film director. He wound up getting upset because a lot of the prostitutes in Mexico they never it never would catch on. And his prostitute girlfriend, I guess, you know, was a prostitute girlfriend. So he kind of get he wound up being upset. So he left Mexico, went back to America. All this time, he had an Alabama license, driver's license, by the way. This guy, he's a fugitive. He got an Alabama driver's license somehow. So he has an Alabama driver's license, and this is how he's getting back from America to Mexico. This guy is a fugitive coming from America to Mexico easily. He's not, it's not like he's freaking pulling Queen of the South type shit to get from America to Mexico. He's not going through tunnels and shit like that. This guy is driving from America to Mexico. He got a driver's license, you know? So. 
He gets into he gets back to America. He goes into Los Angeles because you know that's what all people do, right? They go to Los Angeles, and he he see why was he trying to be a porn director in Los Angeles? He could have been, a, he probably would have made it better. Don't go to Mexico, go to Los Angeles. You maybe you'll make it there. But instead of trying to be a porn director in Los Angeles, he decides to join the George Wallace presidential campaign. And if you know who George Wallace is, he is. One the he was one of the most racist people of all time to run for president. If you think that Donald Trump was a bad guy, oh, George Wallace would would freaking call Donald Trump the biggest freaking um biggest freaking. He would pretty much call him the Malcolm X of their of you know of uh pretty much would compare him to Malcolm X. I mean, come, I mean this guy right here. George Wallace was a hundred percent, a hundred percent against blacks doing anything. Blacks were the lowest things in society to him. So you know this this guy. So you know the, you know this guy Drazen uh, really decides to help him in his presidential campaign. So that's another thing. James Earl Ray, is, and I have to reiterate this multiple times. James Earl Ray is a fugitive. He's a guy that has escaped prison, and he is doing things like driving from Mexico and America back and forth and working on presidential campaigns. That's this guy right here, the fugitive. So James Array eventually leaves uh, the, leaves, leaves Los Angeles when he winds up finding having a factuation with Martin Luther King Jr., who at the time is, you know, he's on his, he's in his prime, you know, he's in his prime. He's pretty much taking, he's pretty much taking the America by storm. He's getting all these bills passed, pretty much giving, giving civil rights to, to, to African-Americans and all people here inside of America today. You know, he's getting all these bills passed and all this stuff. And he's like, oh man, I got a vaccination. I got to stop. I got to end, I got to end this guy before, you know, things get heavy. So he's getting all his bill passed. He goes. He moves. Winds up moving to Atlanta, Georgia, where he winds up with his fascination of Martha the King. He has he has maps of Atlanta, and he's circling around the routes that Martin Luther King takes. He's seeing that, oh, he take his house is here. He goes here. He goes here. He has all this planned out. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of looks like when, you know, when you see Silence of Lambs or something like that, like, the, it's like, uh, The Wire. Like, it's looking like this, like, he's pretty much investigating Martin Luther King himself. He's pretty much saying that this is what his, this is what his rituals are. This is what he does. This is how I can attack him here. So he goes to Birmingham, Alabama, of all places, very interesting, right? Birmingham, Alabama, and buys a Remington rifle and clips it and gut bullets in it. He tells the people at the store that he bought the rifle from, like all other things, when people buy guns, like probably what Nicholas Cruz told the people that he bought the rifle from. And you know what? The guy that's, you know, all these serial, all these freaking murderers, when they buy guns, they always say, Oh, we're using it to. I'm using it to go hunting with my brother, and you know, I I'm I know if you want to buy a gun, that's fine. I'm not a I'm not an owner of a gun, but I have brothers and I have friends. Uh, shout out to D. Shout out to Travion. They are big gun people. 
They love to have guns. They all bought guns. They own, you know, some some of my friends own assault rifles legally. Not illegally. They own it legally. They have the scopes and all that stuff on it and everything. You know, so, you know, I, you know, I understand that people want that stuff. Me, I'm not a person that wants it. I'm not, uh, I don't care for it. But I think that at some time you should not be able to do this. I mean, again, let me reiterate. This guy is a fugitive. He is a guy that is supposed to be in prison. He's still supposed to be in prison while this is going on. This guy was sentenced to 20 years for robbing the Kroger's for $120. And he's got out of prison and he's living a life that you would see inside of a weird movie, like Blow or something. This guy is coming from Mexico, is going from America back to Mexico and living in LA and working on and presidential campaigns and coming to Atlanta and going to Alabama and buying rifles. This guy is like the shittiest version of damn Forrest Gump here. He's going cross country here. It's like the shittiest version of Forrest Gump. So, uh, I think I might name this this episode. Shitty Forrest Gump. That's the name of the episode. That's what I'm going to call him. Shitty Forrest Gump. That's why I got to call James L. Ray. Shitty Forrest Gump. So, um, let's see. So, Shitty Forrest Gump. That's his name. That's his new nickname for the rest of this podcast. Shitty Forrest Gump. So, um, Shitty Forrest Gump buys the rifle. Like he said, he's going he's gonna to go hunting with his brothers. Um, he goes back to Atlanta. And he's avid reader of the Atlanta Journal Constitution and all this stuff, and he finds out that that Martin Luther King is going to Memphis to, cause in Tennessee there is a huge, um, there is a huge, uh, pretty much protest by the sanitation workers of Tennessee. They did not like the wages and things like that, the the job ethics and all that stuff. The, so they was protesting that, and. Martin Luther King pretty much goes there and is going to help and going to help them protest it. So while he's helping them protest it, uh, while he's helping them protest it, while he's helping them protest all this stuff now, freaking that guy gets out of his ass. um, James already decides to go there. So when James Airway decides to go with Martin Luther King and uh he just, he buys a a board a boarding pretty much a pretty much a boarding house across the street he buys a boarding room pretty much across the street from the Lorraine Hotel where Martin Luther King is staying. Now, from the documentary I watched, pretty much Martin Luther King and a, and a bunch of his uh NAACP buddies are leaving the Lorraine Hotel. They're about to go get some dinner. And Martin Luther King goes outside, and as you probably know, as you as I could tell you today, Tennessee gets cold. And even, even in April, Tennessee gets cold. So he walks outside, and it's surprisingly cold in Tennessee. It's not one of those cold where it's not like a place like, you know, 
freaking North Dakota someplace like where you're going, oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna I can tell that it's cold outside at this time. It's one of those things where it'll be sunny outside, it'll be bright and sunny, and you have to step outside and literally tell what the temperature is. So he walks outside, he sees that it's pretty it's pretty chillier than what he's used to. So he's go so he's making his way back to the room to get a uh jacket. And while he's on his way to get that jacket from the room, he's shot in the cheek. Now, everybody seeing the picture, the people that's pointing at the boarding at the boarding room where the shot came from. So he gets shot in the cheek. People notice a man running from the boarding room. They did they they can't tell who the man is. They notice a man running from a boarding room. He leaves a he leaves the rifle. He leaves the rifle and binoculars in the boarding room. In the boarding room. So when the police get it, they fingerprint it. It's the fingerprints of James Earl Ray. So now James Earl Ray gets inside of a white Mustang, goes back to Atlanta, gets from Atlanta. Again, this is it. I mean, Tim Feedback Bay couldn't get from Oklahoma City to freaking the, I mean, Missouri. He got caught, he got caught on his way to the place. This guy, this guy, shitty Forrest Gump, went from Memphis to Atlanta, which is, I can't even tell you, that's like what, like a five, six hour drive? Maybe even, that's probably even longer than that. That's probably, I'm probably, Given a very great estimate, probably way longer than a five, six hour drive. He did that, and then he didn't just get there to Atlanta safely. He left from Atlanta and went all the way to Canada. He goes to Canada, and in Canada, he finds a freaking Canadian passport, which he puts it under the name of some guy, and he's and he's now in Canada with his Canadian passport, and now he flies over to London, England. This is Jay. This shitty Forrest Gump. He's flying to places like it's nothing. He's uh, 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 most people want to fly to Europe, and they save up like their whole entire life to fly to Europe. This this guy, this shitty guy, is just flying to Europe like it's nothing. He just goes to Europe like it's nothing. It's nothing to him. He's just acquiring passports and driver's license like, oh, that's just it. And it's like, how that's, that's when you get the conspiracy theories. Because how do you get, he's a fugitive. How is he getting around like this? Not even just how is he getting around like this. How is he getting the money to get around like this? This guy's a fugitive. He's not just freaking. He's he he's he's doing shitty money orders. He's going to jail. He's going to jail for shitty. I didn't even talk about that. He's going to jail for shitty money orders. This guy. That's one of the reasons why he had to stop doing the pornography, the porn, the porn, the porn directing is because all of his stuff was bought with shitty money orders. And when the people in Mexico found out about his shitty money orders, he had to stop. You know, all his equipment, all that stuff was bought with shitty money orders. He was paying these women with shitty money orders. So when they found out he had no money, he had to stop because because he was going to get fucking thrown in jail in Mexico. Which he definitely didn't want to get thrown in one of those jails because his ass would have been definitely a fucking shitty taco for some Mexican people. I mean, fuck, 
I mean, it's insane this guy what this guy's going through. So shitty Forrest Gump goes to uh, goes to Europe. He's living inside of London, England. He goes down to uh to to Lisbon, Portugal. He's going back to London, England again after a while. So he's just going around flying, just traveling around Europe like like it's nothing. Like he's not a fucking fugitive in the fucking the fucking killing one of the most known people in history. No, he's just traveling around like it's nothing. So, he gets caught in an airport in London because he's leaving London to try to go to Brussels now. So, this guy, like I said, he's just going around fucking Europe just having a fun time. And and the only guy he got caught in the airport is because of the name on the passport. The person just happened it was just happened to be meet the no the nosy person on on the staff that day the person that actually works hard on the on the airport staff like he if he was lucky if he was lucky enough he would have you know if he was good enough he would have probably seen the person that doesn't give a shit and just let people fly poo because that's what he was known as that's what he noticed he knows the people that didn't give a shit about work and just let people fly let them fly through that he actually picked the wrong one person and one person that gave a shit that day. And it probably was the first day that person Zali ever gave a shit. That's probably the reason why he was fit he was confused on it. Cause he was like, Oh shit, you usually don't give a fuck when I'm when I'm up in this airport. And the person was like, No, I'm giving a fuck today. And he noticed and the person noticed the name on a Canadian watch list and he gets arrested and he gets extradited back to Memphis, Tennessee for the murder of Martin Luther King. And there he pleads guilty with no trial at all to to murder Martin Luther King. Days later inside of prison, though, obviously he's going to plead that he's not guilty. And then that's when this conspiracy theories go on because he tells everybody he did not kill Martin Luther King. He actually was a people that tried to get him to kill Martin Luther King. He was contacted by government officials. And that's where you get the whole big conspiracy theory of if the, of if the government killed Martin Luther King. Now, interesting enough, this is, he, got, he got caught a year later. Three years later after the fact, he escapes prison once again. He escapes prison. And he's out for 10 days with him and six other people. They escape prison, out for 10 days, get caught again, and then he's moved to the Tennessee State Prison here inside of Nashville, Tennessee. So, again, this comes back to Music City, USA. So, he stays inside of this Nashville State Prison for the rest of his life. He In 1997... The Martin Luther King's family comes up to him, goes up to him and asks him, they ask him, honestly, tell us the truth. Did you kill our father? And he tells and he tells him, no, he honestly to God did not. Which at this point, you got to think, you got to think that it might be true. You got to honestly think at this point is it might be true. Cause at the point he's he's seventy years old, and he's not he and he's not and he's there and there's no time he's ever getting out of he's never getting out of jail again. He's never getting out of jail again. There's no possible way he's going to get out of jail. It's pretty much he's done. Now again, I need to also reiterate this 
on his his crimes, he was sentenced to 99 days in prison. So he wasn't sentenced to technically life. He was sentenced to technically life. It was not life, but he was sentenced to 99 days. If he happened to survive to 99 years, I mean, 99 years, sorry, not 99 days. If he happened to survive 99 years, he would he would have got, he would have been out of prison. Now, when he escaped from prison, he got a single year added to his, to his charge, to the sentence. So he got 100 years in prison for the murder of Martin Luther King, which should give you freaking like a trillion years in prison. You should never ever get a chance. So... He's in prison, and I'm pretty sure he knows that he's never getting out of prison again. So that's when the King family goes and believes him. They believe that King family honestly believes him. They took a they took a a person to court. The the person that they felt was part of the uh, was part of the conspiracy theory, and they actually won a court settlement with the person where they got a hundred dollars in court, and they said they wanted to used $100 to show that it wasn't about being funded or nothing like that. That they honestly believed that James Earl Ray, shitty Forrest Gump, was not the man that killed their father. And he was just a pawn in this game. Because, again, he was a drifter. He was a fugitive. He lived a life of a person. He lived a life of... He lived this crazy fucking life. Obviously, the government kept tabs on these people that were drifters and fugitives and lived these crazy fucking lives. It's not hard to just find a fucking guy that's escaped from jail and just say, oh, that's this, that's this guy. You know, it's not hard to just do that. So you got, so, so they go out here and this, so that's when the conspiracy, conspiracy theory goes on. Now, there's a lot of things that's done. It winds up at some point that his, one of his lawyers was scamming money from him. And wound up giving him a Playboy magazine interview, which in the Playboy magazine interview of all things, fucking Playboy magazine, gave him an interview, and they did a polygraph, and the polygraph test sold the results showed that he was the lone government gunman, and he was the lone person that plotted to kill Martin Luther King Jr. That's what the polygraph test shows. But a lot of the things going to this conspiracy theory of of the death of the assassination of Martin Luther King. You get you get uh you get the famous letter that now we all know from the government that says you're done. You're done. And that was sent by an FBI agent to Martin Luther King. Now that was okayed by J. Edgar Hoover, who I'll probably talk about later on in the podcast. I don't know if I ever want to talk about him, actually, to be honest with you. J. Edgar Hoover was the head of the FBI, one of the most most powerful individuals in American history. He pretty much could arrest and pin anything on anybody, and he did that. He pretty much arrested and pinned stuff on anybody that he ever felt, they ever felt, they ever did anything wrong to him or ever felt like he could do anything wrong to him. Now, the reason why he did not like Martin Luther King, one, he grew up in a time period of where racial inequality was a thing and that he had a mind state of that black people were were just lower than like white people. That was just how they were. And Martin Luther King had people in his staff inside the NCP and stuff like that that were funding them and they were Jewish people and these Jewish people belonged to the Communist Party. So 
again, there was just this time period in America where communism was what they wanted to defeat. They wanted to defeat communism, and they felt because these Jewish people funded Martin Luther King, they said Martin, they felt that Martin Luther King was the pawn to these Jewish people, and he and they and they was using and they was using him to rile up the to rile up Black America, and eventually it was going to get to where Black America was going to rile up against the government, and they was going to try to establish a communist government here. So he wanted to. So a lot of the conspiracy theories go that he wanted to eliminate that this rap, this rallying sensation, and he did not want this communist, this communist government to achieve. Which I've talked talked about my views on the on the on the red scare, the communistic scare that has happened here in America earlier in the podcast. You just look about my second. I think it was about the second or third podcast episode I did where I talked about a little bit of the red scare that America has. And, you know, you get here, and that's one, and I say that's one reason why J. Edgar Hoover, Hoover might have had assassinated, had Martin Luther King assassinated. Now, at the end of the day, I am still, to this day, confused on which one it is. I do not know if Shitty Forrest Gump murdered him or if he was murdered by the FBI and they just blamed it on Shitty Forrest Gump. Because all the facts point to that Shitty Forrest Gump did so himself. Because it is not out of the range of reasoning that Shitty Forrest Gump could fire a rifle and shoot a person in the head. But just, just the facts of how does he then have enough money to escape and travel around Europe? That's the biggest thing right there, is that he had enough money to escape and travel around Europe. But then the big thing is that then he got caught inside of Europe. And, but he did not get caught by the FBI. He got caught by him being stupid enough to keep traveling around Europe like he's not a fucking fugitive. That's the only thing is. And that's the reason why I think also why you have to go. There's so many pros and cons to this. Because the guy is obviously dumb enough to not just stick in one place when he's a fucking fugitive. You're a fucking fugitive. If you made it to London and England, live inside the fucking dooms of London and England. You are a fucking man that killed the most popular person in the world. People knew him in London, England. The Clash. I watch Clash documentaries. They used to listen to the Martin Luther King speeches. That is the Clash. This is London, England. The Clash at that time were freaking legends in London, England. Freaking the Beatles. I mean, you have all these people that were legends in London, England at the time that he is fucking living there. You think they, these people could not recognize freaking James Earl Ray? Oh, they couldn't recognize him. You want me to tell you the reason why they couldn't recognize him? Because somehow he gained enough money to get rhinoplasty. If you don't know what rhinoplasty is, that is facial reconstruction surgery. Somehow he and his drifter, this freaking drifter that is a fugitive that is working on such things as the presidential campaigns and writing bad money orders so he can be a porn film director, also has enough money to get a facial reconstruction surgery. That's what we're supposed to believe here. That's the reason why these 
these freaking FBI conspiracy theories are going on because you have this guy who's doing all this stuff that there's no way you can have the money to do this stuff. We don't have the money. People, normal people don't have this money. This guy is below normal people. You know, this guy is a fugitive. He's a guy that that is supposed to be in prison during the time that he's doing all this stuff. And this guy has the money to get surgeries and travel Europe and buy guns and travel the United States. I mean, like I said, this guy is literally shitty Forrest Gump. And that is the reason why that there's conspiracy theory. And that's the reason why I think that you can lean on that the conspiracy theory is probably true. But the only reason why I can't say this conspiracy theory is true is because it is to the point of just, it's to the point of that it was too simple. It was too simple. And I think if the FBI did it, did had something to do with it, it would not be so simple as a guy with a gun shoots Martin Luther King in the face as he's as as he's walking out of a hotel room. That's honestly what I believe. I don't believe it would be that simple. But the choice is yours to believe on that one. But that is my story number two. And again, it is a crazy story. Um, James L. Ray. I just felt like I needed to tell that story because a lot of people tell the Martin Luther King story and a lot of people don't tell the post Martin Luther King story. The assassinations and the things of that nation, the conspiracy theories of it. A lot of people don't know that stuff. And I think if we bring this stuff up, then we can start bringing up more stuff into the aspects of our government and of our life. Now, with that said, we can get on and have a great day. And this is good old Freaky Frankie Friday. So let's relax and have a good old fun time. And before I do that, got to have a good old outro, obviously. Oh, little I tell you also that James O'Ray's ashes have been spread around the country of Ireland where his family is officially from. Still a douchebag. Shitty Forrest Gump. So, with this all said, let's have a great Friday and have a fun weekend. And everybody, I hope y'all enjoy y'all weekend. So, with that said, let's go out to some good old Frank for a second there.
other world.